You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the groupthink, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the conservative conscience. And welcome back to the conservative conscience here at Conservative Review on Wednesday, December 19th. My gosh, how this year has flown by. And I'm sure you guys are all looking forward to time off. Um, Depending on where you work, some people have off a whole week next week. Some have off just for Christmas and New Year's. But either way, you know, to our listeners, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's. Um, you know, obviously I'm Jewish, so I, uh, I, I, I get to spend the time off and, uh, you know, not have to deal with extended family either. We got our own times. So I really need it. I know a lot of you guys uh, are battle weary here. Boy, oh boy, do the hits keep coming. I mean, you could almost just laugh it off. It's just like, you know, this is the work of Satan. It's like, boom, boom, boom. Like one thing after another. Trump bans gun accessories, even when Obama didn't do it. He then he lets out all the people from jail, even that Obama didn't want to do it. All the good guys screw us and they lie about it. Oh, and then a judge right after Trump caved on the 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 wall in the budget bill a judge comes along and says asylum is no longer asylum and anyone who wants to apply has standing to sue <laughs> so that just came out a couple of minutes ago I'm recording here in the afternoon and um I'm losing my voice here so I might have to do it in segments you, you guys won't hear anything different we sew it together but I literally have no voice left just from talking so much on the phone to allies and strategizing um it it is literally one thing after another. Martha McSally appointed uh, to the Senate seat uh, to fill the seat by what's his name? Um, well, you know, originally obviously John McCain, but now John Kyle, who gave it up. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just like the bad guys win fully, always, all the time. Um, this is this is wow. I, I've, I mean, I've got nothing for you, folks. I, I, I don't take pride in this, but I'm just telling you, it's the opposite. I'm frustrated by it. There's never been a time where so many issues and so many screwballs converged in one. They all tie together, and they all prove things that we've been talking about for months and even years correct. I don't like being proven right on these things because usually my predictions are, are not good. But it is what it is. The hits keep coming. And by the way, I've forgotten a lot of things. I haven't even gotten a chance to get into them. Um, so where do, where do we start? Collectively, these policies are Trump's read my lips moment. Okay. We're going to start off with his read my lips moment on crime. And then we're going to go to his read my lips moment on immigration. And the reality is both of them tie together intimately, as you well know already, our regular listeners. 
And by the way, I appreciate your prayers, your comments, your words of encouragement, because frankly, it's the only thing that keeps me going is this audience. I mean it with all my heart and soul. And you know, what? whatever I say, I actually mean. Um, I couldn't do this without you. It's like talking to a wall because nothing matters with the political class. They just don't care what's true. They don't care about data. They don't care about facts. They don't care about investigations. They don't care about rational arguments. It's all politics. But let's start off with the read my lips moment for Trump. On August uh, 16th, 2016, Trump gave a, a speech for the campaign. I don't even know how to quantify this because, I mean, there's just so much there where he's bashing Hillary for being weak on crime. The main victims of, and I'm just randomly selecting things, the main victims of these riots and law are law-abiding African-American citizens living in these neighborhoods. It's their jobs, their homes, their schools, and communities which will suffer as a result. There is no compassion in tolerating lawless conduct. Crime and violence is an attack on the poor and will never be accepted in the Trump administration. Um, let's just see, and, and I'm going to link to all this because there's just too much there. I would spend the whole show on just on this. But um, where is this? Let me, let me just uh, go down here a little bit. Every word is important for you to read. But this is really, really key. And um, this is the man who ran on this issue more than more than Cruz did. Violent crime has risen 17% in America's 50 largest cities last year. Killings of police officers this year is up 50%. This is the future offered by Hillary Clinton. More poverty, more crime, and more of the same. So then he went on to say on crime, I am going to support more police in our communities, appoint the best prosecutors and judges in the country, pursue strong enforcement of federal laws, and I'm going to break up the gangs, the cartels, and criminal syndicates terrorizing our neighborhood. To every lawbreaker hurting innocent people in this country, I say your furry reign will soon come to a crashing end. And then finally he said... There is no compassion in allowing drug dealers, gang members, and felons to prey on innocent people. There you have it, folks. There you have it. That's what he promised. Now, maybe you'll tell me, well, you know, that was kind of early on. Um, that was before, you know, Trump really got off the ground, campaign promises. Well, you know, they're just campaign promises. Who cares about those things? As you well know, Trump promised this numerous times, numerous times recently, where he directly said that he's not going to let the drug traffickers off and things like that. Directly said it. He directly said he was going to increase penalties. That's the truth of the matter. 
That is the truth of the matter. In his speech in New Hampshire earlier this year, when he talked about the drug crisis and how it's by the drug traffickers working for the cartels and it's an immigration problem, everything I say, he said. I didn't reinvent the wheel here. I just gave more examples and more data and more intellectual firepower to it, but he said it all. This isn't about being nice anymore, he said. This isn't about committees. This isn't about let's get everybody and have dinners and let's everybody go to blue ribbon committees and everyone gets a medal for frankly talking and doing nothing. This is about winning a very, very tough problem. And if we don't get very tough on these dealers, it's not going to happen, folks. It's not going to happen. And I want to win the battle. You know, it's an amazing thing. Some of these drug dealers will kill thousands of people during their lifetime. Thousands of people and destroy many more lives than that. But they will kill thousands of people during their lifetime and they'll get caught and they'll get 30 days in jail or they'll go away for a year or they'll be fined. And yet, if you kill one person, you get the death penalty or you go to jail for life, end quote. And that is where Trump called for the death penalty for these people. Now he spearheaded it, celebrated it, and signed on to a bill that let go and prospectively reduced the sentencing for even the people Obama didn't do it. These very animals, these very animals that have 72% of those in federal prison convicted have prior offenses with the average being 6.1. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Not when I say prior offenses, I mean prior convictions. Offenses are even more because we never land convictions anymore. So not only are these the people killing thousands with drugs, these are the gangbangers working for the cartels, alien smuggling, murder, rape, armed robbery, assault, arson, all of it. They are doing it. Read my lips. No new taxes. Put it this way. Let me, let me put it to you in this perspective before we just review what happened last night conclude on this issue and move on to other betrayals that we don't have enough time to get to all of them. The antecedent to this bill, the forerunner, which was just the sentencing portion of it in the Senate Judiciary Committee, ironically passed Senate Judiciary on February 15th, 2017. What's it? Uh, uh, I'm sorry, 2018. What's significant about that date? That was a day after the Parkland shooting. And the day after, they voted to let gun felons out of prison and reduce sentencing, mandatory sentencing for gun felons. Now, in the final bill, they took out the reduction of sentencing, but in terms of the early release, third of their sentences. And by the way, it's more than a third because there's another way, like I said, they double dip now and get the good behavior credits for the years that they didn't serve, that they're not going to serve as a result of the first credits. And in addition to that, they made it impossible for BOP to take away time, good time credits when you misbehave or cause a prison riot. I don't think you understand how profound that is because Crime and guns are the two issues where we won on. Republicans did nothing for us. But this past generation, we went forward on guns, meaning looser gun laws for law-abiding citizens, 
and tougher penalties for gun felons, among all other felons. Now they're letting the gun felons out of jail and banning the guns. That was the jujitsu on Parkland. It was a criminal justice deform that caused it. There's a reason why the FBI didn't lock him up because they avoid juvenile convictions at all costs or at least jail time, and that is already policy. Why do I say that? Why why am I bringing you back to the date that this bill got kicked off, at least in this iteration of this Congress? Because I want you to bring, bring you to the final date last night. On the same day this bill passes to release tons of gun felons. And then, again, plenty of the other ones that were convicted for drug trafficking did this stuff, too, and had that in their rap sheet, served time in state prison for it. They're all let out. The same day, President Donald J. Trump who promised to be the most pro-gun president around, retroactively banned bump stocks, a gun accessory that were legally purchased in violation of the Second Amendment statute and the takings clause of the Fifth Amendment. Because just like I said with New Jersey, he's no different than New Jersey. Retroactive ban while letting out the gun felons, Donald J. Trump. And again, it's not just him. He's going along with all of them. It's all of them. That is the Republican Party you have. On that very same day, he screwed us on the border, of which most of the drug traffickers come from. So what happened last night? It was a total... Jailbreak on the jailbreak. We call it a jailbreak vote where everyone just gets together and is like, hey, this is going to pass anyway, so I don't want to be caught on the other side. I don't want to be caught on the losing side. Let's vote for it. Only 12 Republicans voted no. And I will tell you, we are scoring that bill no matter what. doesn't matter. We are scoring it because that is the truth. 87 to 12. For some reason, Lindsey Graham (laughs) didn't even show up even though he was pushing this for years. The only Republicans who voted against it were Barrasso, Cotton, Enzi, Kennedy, Kyle, Murkowski, Rish, Rounds, Sullivan, Shelby, Sass, and Rubio. And by the way, now Kyle, we're replacing him out with with uh, McSally, who for sure would have voted for it. Twelve Republicans. I want to. I'm going to explain to you that the vote that the support for this is not as bad as the vote would indicate, but that in itself is even worse news. What do I mean? Well, what's the math? There's 51 Republicans minus 12. 39 Republican senators didn't support this, just for your for your knowledge. Okay? They didn't support this. It's about 10 of them did. Maybe 13, 14. I'm going to explain that in a minute. But what happened here was, what happens, I, I noticed on every bill throughout the, my career of, of covering Congress, Everyone says, I want to drain the swamp. But the swamp, by definition, is the sun and we are the moon. They have the gravitational pull. They have the core mass. They have the largest mass. 
So by definition, the times that try men's souls, the times that you need people to stand up are the times when it's the hardest, are the times when it, they give the appearance that everyone supports this. It's ubiquitous. It's unanimous. It's moral. It's the right thing to do. Everyone in the world supports it. You're a weirdo if you don't. Those are the times when you have to stand up. But what happens is those are precisely the times when even the people that don't want it, they'll go along with it because they're too scared. So really, the l- let's just talk about the main, the main Cotton Amendment. So there were amendments before voted on. Cotton's Amendment was to prevent 25,000 violent felons, 5,000 armed robbers, and 1,446 sex offenders from getting out early. That's it. That was the that was the amendment. Only 37 it got 37 votes. One Democrat, Gary Peters actually from from um Michigan voted for it. So that means 36 Republicans voted for it. Lindsey Graham wasn't there but he would have would have voted against it. And that means that roughly 14 Republicans even voted against that to give the Democrats the vote. So let it be known for our end of times, this is no longer about nonviolent, low-level first-timers. Because by definition, these people are repeat offenders that we're talking about. By definition, they're violent. And by definition, they're not low-level. We expose the lie, if nothing else. But they voted against it. But notice, 36 Republicans were like, no, yeah, I'm going to support Cotton on this. But then it got voted down because 14 Republicans joined every Democrat, so it couldn't get attached to the bill. So the bill stands without it. Okay? Now let's go back. So that means that the 24 or so Republicans who voted for Cotton, but it didn't get adopted, but then voted for the bill without it, they're admitting now that they're okay with letting out violent criminals and sex offenders. So roughly, in a normal world, that Cotton Amendment vote tells you roughly the number of people that are against this. So it's it's closer to like 36. But what happens is no one wants to stand up. And even among the 12, it was really only Cotton and God bless him. He's not as articulate. He means well, and his staff is horrible. Senator Kennedy. We have no leaders. You need critical mass. People are attracted to leaders. We don't have them. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The, the stronger the swamp gets, the stronger the swamp gets, and it takes over the people that say they want to fight the swamp. I will tell you, even the 10 or so writers, think tank people, outsiders that agree with me and still agree with me, their guns went silent. They were scared. Well, I will tell you when there is a fire, we're going to run to it. We're not going to run from it here. I just don't care. So that amendment, if you look at the Senate, this was roll call number 270. Here are the Republicans that voted. Meaning he separated out. Understand, Cotton's amendment would still let out every gun felon and drug trafficker. Didn't touch that. Didn't touch it. And a lot of those, like I said, most of them have all these other violent crimes in their rap sheet. Didn't touch it. Just isolated the people that for this conviction, this time around in federal prison, they get early release. So I don't want, so these guys, 
for these convictions. So in other words, a lot of them serve time for murder in state prison. That's why the feds got them on drug charges. They, they all get out. In other words, nothing in this bill looks at their prior history. And indeed, you're not allowed. The prison wardens are not allowed to take into account their prior history. See, what was brilliant about this bill, and I'm going to explain this throughout the show, is that they perfectly crafted a deal that anyone who truly is convicted, if they're the common convictions that we nail the violent people on, they refuse to put them in the exclusions. The BS ones, like if you're caught destroying federal aircraft, which is nobody, then they allow to put in there. They perfectly made it because they know they know what I know, that we need criminal justice reform the other way, like Reagan wanted. That it's so hard to land convictions. The, the more severe the crime is, the harder it is to land the conviction. They're all pled down. So they took all the ones that they plead down on, and they let them out. And Cotton wasn't even going to mess with that. 62% of the entire federal prison population would have still been eligible even with Cotton. He just said, these sex offenders and these violent criminals. Lamar Alexander voted against it. Every Democrat, every Democrat, Joni Ernst, Jeff Flake, Chuck Grassley, Orrin Hatch, Johnny Isaacson, Cindy Hyde-Smith from Mississippi, the woman who was gaffing around on the campaign and said, oh, maybe we should lynch criminals. Let out child molesters. They're specifically child molesters. The title he was dealing with wasn't general sex offenders. Lankford. Lankford. I'm going to get to him in a minute. He's a filthy scoundrel from Oklahoma. He is the face of the budding evangelical progressive establishment that the left and Soros are co-opting. He's the type of guy that will engage in sodomy, but do so in a church holding a Bible. Let's get some faith-based programs. Won't fight Planned Parenthood. Won't fight the homosexual agenda. But uh, it's not as moral to lay out the criminals and the Muslim refugees. faith. So that, that, that's Langford's job there. Mike Lee. Mike Lee, by the way, um, let me just get the, the quote here. He, he said a lot of things. Notice he doesn't say much on the border. Doesn't say much on conservative things. Uh, the cat got his tongue. But, um, quote, there is a high human cost that comes with from warehousing people. Let it be known for all of time. This is not about low level or what level or what type of reforms. He does not believe in prison, justice, deterrent, and incarceration. That is where this movement is headed, and that is why I promise you this is not over. We are going to cover this every week next year. On every level, this is happening across the state and federal systems. Let me continue. Jerry Moran, Rand Paul, Pat Roberts of Kansas, Tom Tillis, Roger Wicker, the other Mississippi guy. All these guys voted to let the child molesters and violent criminals out. Then there was the other amendment, got even fewer votes. This was to ensure that victims 
victims are at least informed. They don't have veto power, but informed and get to issue a statement. If you understand where they're coming from, they don't want victims to know. They don't want reports on recidivism. They don't want anything. They didn't want to debate. We, we debate water resource bills for three weeks. This was less than 24 hours. And as we speak, I'm assuming the House will just bring this up under suspension without debate at all and like pass unanimously. They're bragging, bragging about the first criminal justice bill in three decades. Not really true, but three decades. In midst of a border crisis beyond belief, this is what they want to talk about. All right, so talk about it. Let's have a real debate. There's so much to talk about. Right, left, in between, and things that are really bipartisan, truly bipartisan. Making things more uniform, a cleaner federal code. I'm all for that. This is not part of the bill. What about the overcrim issues of the white collar stuff? Like BS white collars. Nothing. There's nothing. Nothing for victims. Nothing for libertarians. Nothing for law enforcement. Nothing. That's not criminal justice reform. That's criminal crap at a criminal level. So anyway, these are the people, these are the Republicans, every Democrat, every single Democrat, everyone. And the following Republicans don't want victims to know. Lamar Alexander, Bill Cassidy, Bob Corker, Joni Ernst, Jeff Flake, Chuck Grassley, Orrin Hatch, Cindy Hyde-Smith, Johnson from Wisconsin. I didn't even notice that until now. Lankford, Lee, Moran, Paul, Roberts, Wicker, and Dean Young from Indiana. Now let's move on to the Third Amendment. This is Roll Call 268. So this was the amendment to measure recidivism. That was the whole point. The whole point is to fix recidivism. So could we have a benchmark? There's no benchmark on what the programs are, who runs them, what they do, nothing. But at least could we have a quarterly report to Congress on who was released? Well, you know, what their rap sheet was, what they were convicted of, and who was rearrested. I mean, dude, we're, we're making this up. These are no, people that were arresting for nobody, and we came up with the panacea to stop recidivism. What are you scared of? I think, folks, I think you know the answer to that. They know what we know. Because the thing is, they, we, we see eye to eye. We know each other's arguments. They're fooling the public. They know they're violent. They want to let out violent prison. This is not about nonviolent. I told you, the ones that are honest say this all the time because nonviolent people don't exist. It t- takes a hell of a lot of violence and a rap sheet to even get into state prison these days. Everyone knows that. Again, with the exception of certain political crimes that you know f- prosecutors overzealously go after, and we all know about that. But you know, we're not talking about that here when we talk about the drug traffickers. So I'm just going to read the names again. These are the people that didn't even want to know who is rearrested. Alexander, Cassidy, Corker, Ernst, Flake, Grassley, Hatch, Heller, Dean Heller, another suicide bomber, lame duck, Cindy Hyde-Smith, Johnny Isaacson, Johnson again, 
Lankford, Lee, Moran, Paul, Roberts, Wicker, and Young of Indiana. Now, one more thing happened to demonstrate to you what goes on in D.C. I could I could give a political science course and write a book just on what happened here on how that this is a test run for everything that happens and the way we get screwed. See, what happens is it's kind of like let's say we're in a war and I try to make weapons to fight the other war. But I'm so ineffective that not only don't I shoot any bullets at the other side, but my weapons fall in the hands of the other side. Kind of like what we do in the Middle East. That's what electing conservatives is, as long as we have the Republican Party and we are sucked into their way of doing things. And we don't create our own critical mass and our own gravitational pull and our own leadership and our own movement and talking points to get people comfortable with. What happens is our guys are the very ones who screw us. I, I strongly believe that this bill would have been defeated if not for Ted Cruz. Here's what Ted Cruz did last night. So Cotton had them around the you-know-what because now he isolated, he exposed them that, so you blatantly, I had an amendment on violent offenders and it was voted down. Some of you voted against it. Some of you voted for it, but then you voted for the bill. So you have no problem with that. Ted Cruz gave them a perfect loincloth. You see, he got his amendment adopted before final passage by unanimous consent. And now they could say, hey, buddy, no, you don't understand. Yeah, Cotton's amendment didn't pass, but Cruz's amendment did to stop violent people from getting out. Folks, if you want to understand how Weasley he's become, and I say this, you know, I cried the night Cruz lost, you know, conceded in Indiana in the presidential primary. I was very emotionally invested. In I was close with him. I was close with his team. I'm still close with a lot of his team that can't stand what he's doing or his former team. It, it hurts me no end to watch this. So it's not like, you know, I'm a loose cannon and I just like bash anyone that does anything wrong. Like it takes, it takes a lot. Believe me, I've been covering up a lot of things. I'm not actively, but I've been ignoring a lot of bad things he's been doing. It just hurts too much. He, here are the people he excluded. Felons who destroy aircraft facilities. Felons who destroy motor vehicles. Felons who commit drive-by shootings. Felons who threaten to murder the president or a former president. Felons convicted under genocide of Section 1091. Um, felons who transport children for illegal sexual activity. That, that's not common. Cotton's one was common. And then carjacking. But even carjacking, it was only um, those who... Carjacking that results in injury or death. But not carjacking with intent of causing bodily injury or death. They, they barely ever convict. In other words, let me... Let me conceptualize this to you in a very simple way. The difference between Cruz's amendment and Cotton's amendment is Cruz's amendment roughly added about 400 more people who would be excluded. 
whereas Cotton's amendment added about 24,000 more people, all of them violent felons. And they're the common convictions. They're not these obscure things. The left, this is why it passed by unanimous consent. They don't mind if it's not the issue. You know, I had a long conversation with Chip Roy last night, and he was telling me as federal prosecutor, he always nailed pe- the dirtiest of people on 922G. Those are all the, you know, felon gun stuff. Not 924C, which is having a gun while committing a crime of violence or drug trafficking. That they excluded. But these are the most common things. And you know what this bill does? I, I write this in my article. This is the tragedy. We don't even get the original reforms that Ed Meese called for. Ed Meese opposed this. He said, look, you know, in his 2015 op-ed what, and, and his 2011 testimony before the House Judiciary Committee, part of this th- issue, it wasn't leniency or jailbreak. It was uniformity. Part of the problem is there's such a, a crazy range because of all the plea bargaining and the discretion of the judges. This bill makes it worse. Because it's so random with all these random things because it's not driven by public safety. It's all political and optics. So it's like all the common things that they're able to plead down to get time release. And the ones that are more obscure don't. So even if we get them on it, they plead down. So now they're going to plead down even more. See, normally you plead down because you're worried about you know you want your client to get the lower sentence. Like you want him to get off, but if he's... Convicted uh, at sentencing, you want him to get the lower uh, jail time. But now you the the this is going to create an entire cottage industry. I mean, if you're a lawyer worth your soul, worth your you know your talent, you got to take a look at the back end. Well, look, if this this thing he'll be sentenced to twenty years, but really get out after thirteen, and this he'll only get out after nineteen. You know the built-in good time credits. So I'm gonna I'm gonna plead down to that. I'm gonna do everything I can to gum up the works on the prosecution, landing a conviction on that. So they'll have to go for the other thing. This is gonna make it random and even less uniform. That's the joke. It creates even more discretion for the courts and the bureaucracies. It doesn't set anything. The whole thing is a lie, even on their own terminology. There's one other thing to consider, and I've been withholding for the most part from criticizing it until now. The provision that's being sold is the best provision of the bill that got all the social conservatives to support it. I I warned you before that it's ironically the worst provision. The worst provision. It allows faith-based organizations to get access to the programs to help prisoners in these programs. Now, there was something wrong with the language, and Lankford, in the amendment of the Cruz Amendment, got unanimous consent to fix the language. Right Again, Lankford um, wants, um, you know, He's okay with sodomy so long as you're holding a Bible while doing it. Um, and you praise the Lord for Islamic refugees and illegal immigration and DACA. So the thing with him is that let me give you a jail manifestation of that analogy. 
Remember I warned you that this is a twofer for the left. They get to radicalize people with insane programs that are harmful in their own right. And then by virtue of attending their programs, you get let out. And you rip the conservative movement to shreds and Trump's promises all to do it. I mean, this is brilliant what the left does. Just today, just today, our partners, theblaze.com, published an article. Nation of Islam reportedly received hundreds of thousands from the U.S. government to train prisoners. According to a report by Washington Examiner, the Nation of Islam has received hundreds of thousands of taxpayer dollars since 2008 to fund a program in which it taught it, its radical religious views to prisoners. Um, they go on to just quote Farrakhan, different speeches. Um, since 2008, Farrakhan and other Nation of Islam leaders have received at least $364,500 um, from the both the Bureau of Prisons and the Department of Justice. The money was designated for religious services, guide services, study service, and other related programs, all led by the Nation of Islam. One of the payments was for Nation of Islam leader Verban Muhammad to provide Nation of Islam religious services for inmates. In 2017, Muhammad had said that the group did not allow white people in our meetings, period. Let me tell you something. The way they drafted this amendment, it's not for Christians. Because who cares? What are you going to do there? That's not where we have religious liberty problems. They make it that all religions must be treated equal and they write in very strong language. That will make it impossible for us to kick out these groups. And not that I want to treat Islamic chaplains differently. But as a security issue, we have a right. You don't have a right to access. We have the right to say certain groups are dangerous of all religions. Under this bill, it will encourage that. And this bill forces DOJ to shall, DOJ shall enter into contracts with nonprofits and religious organizations and higher institute Institutions of learning. I, I, I See, even I'm impressed by this. I could not have written a story like this. That is jailbreak. All I will tell you, folks, is like I wrote, and I'll link to it, kind of my closing thoughts. Um, it's a long article I wrote today. You know, they had to lie to get this done. We exposed their lie. This was what their one bullet to fire. And they um, they didn't get nearly everything they wanted. Cotton should be credited with preventing a lot of things, which should tell you that you know these other people had no problem with all this stuff remaining in the bill. Um, this amendment did not pass. But to be clear, all these violent felons get out. They all get front-end reductions. And that is it. We're not done with this issue because what this demonstrates is we have to rebuild a movement on Reagan's legacy. You know, we got rid of the social conservative leg of the stool a long time ago. There's no semblance of fiscal conservatism left. And now we got rid of the security law and order component. Which leads into the next issue. Think about this, folks. Think about this. 
Republicans rushed to slam on the floor within 24 hours a three-decade-long debate of a bill that earned the support of every single Democrat. Sheila Jackson Lee is just in love with this. That in itself should tell you something, but I'm making a different point here. Okay, so you love this. You have all the Democrats supporting it. There's plenty of time next year to pass it. Why are they spending time and short-circuiting debate because they're in a rush before Christmas to pass something that all the Democrats are willing to pass anyway and are passing and you could pass next year and they're squandering their few remaining hours with full control before Pelosi comes in and not pass. And, and yet when it comes to the things that Democrats won't support and you need the control, you need the House and then use the talking filibuster, like I said, two speech rule in the Senate, they could get this passed tonight to build the border wall and fix asylum and fix judicial supremacy, at least on, on, on asylum and, and, and in these issues and sanctuary cities. Then they plan on punting to February. They're about to bring to the floor in the Senate another continuing resolution to February. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're going to take care of it in February when Democrats have control. Think about it. Think about what is going on here, folks. I want you to understand the profundity of that. They're in a rush to pass things Democrats want, dot, 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 before Democrats take over. While they punt into Democrat control the things that you can't pass with Democrats. What do they want? What are they trying to do? Clear the Democrat schedule for them so they could focus on impeachment? <laughs> I mean, that's that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. And so they could do their bump stock ban. So this is what it is. Trump is weak as anything. And like I said, you know, I could bash Trump and I'm not trying to defend him. When I say this, I'm really not. I'm just saying it's worse than Trump because Trump, I think, would be open to our ideas, but he's not going to lead. So if there's no movement to lead, if there's no movement to lead, then he's not going to lead on his own and he's going to cave like a cheap suit. Hasn't vetoed a single bill. Hasn't vetoed a single bill. That's where we are on this. The Freedom Caucus is holding. They're holding the floor tonight, giving speeches on the border. I tried to give them material. Look, my one goal is that Chip could at least get the Freedom Caucus to be better than it is now. We'll see what happens. But as it looks like now, this will happen pretty quickly and we're screwed. I want to focus. I want to grow this point to the next thing. Hits keep coming. Just before I went on air, Judge Sullivan, the very same judge that was sentencing General Flynn, boy, did this guy have a busy week, issued a 100-page permanent injunction on Jeff Sessions' order to to guide 
immigration adjudicators, asylee adjudicators, to only give <coughs> to only give asylum to those who have an individualized credible, credible fear of persecution. In other words, to follow statute. Statute explicitly bars judicial review. These people can't have standing, don't have standing, and yet it doesn't matter. And I just want to get back to Obamacare. You know I don't fully agree philosophically with what O'Connor did under my system, but under the current system, he is following precedent. At the end of the day, even though there's no penalty for the individual mandate, you have the force of the federal government telling you you must do something unconstitutional. I don't, in my view, that shouldn't be enough for standing. But I'll tell you, it sure as heck is a lot more than giving a legal alien standing. Anyone, 7.7 billion people can now come to our border and, and half the world lives in appalling conditions, whether it's violence or um, poverty or disease, and could come here, get a court order, and you're done. We have nothing left. The border wall is not even a thing. See, this is what I, I said. Trump was stupid for starting with the border wall. I would have started with border wall, sanctuaries, asylum, UAC fix, and judicial fix. And then, and then that, that's how you negotiate. That's what the Democrats did. That's what they did with jailbreak. They asked for more than they wanted and then got this. Trump said that, says this in the art of the deal. I guess it's the art of the cuck. Sorry for the vulgarity. I, it's normally out of character. I just, I can't. They use that word so many times to describe people that wouldn't, you know, that raise some concerns about Trump or wanted to push him to the right and actually make his campaign promises a reality. Well, look what's happening now. Look what is happening now. Look what's happening now. Unbelievable. You can't make this stuff up. You cannot make this stuff up. I don't know what to tell you. I'm just at a loss here. The judges are insane. And this is the District Court of D.C. They have a supermajority. So what? It goes to the appeals court? They have a supermajority there. Even if Trump had three terms, he wouldn't change it. This is the big lie that we're winning back the courts. So the Ninth Circuit put an injunction on the order to only channel them to the between the points of entry. And these people are putting a, an injunction on... I mean, you, how do you put an injunction on something like that? That adjudicators must give asylum to everyone. Um, let me see how to say this here. The wall is moot, as I've been warning you, and this proves it. The border wall only works if you have a border. But if your border encompasses the entirety of the world, that 7.7 billion people are subject to our Constitution and our judicial review and access to Article Three courts, not just immigration judges, but Article Three courts, there's nothing to do. They're all, you could build a wall to Mars. They'll just all come to the points of entry. They're starting to do that more. But if you build a wall, they're all going to do that. 
demand access to the courts, demand to sign. You're done. They're doing this. And it's not just Central Americans. Terrorists are doing this. Uh, we're going to have Todd Benzman on the show. He came back from his trip to Costa Rica and Panama. He has amazing, amazing work. Just go to Center for Immigration Studies homepage. You could see all their amazing work from Benzman on it. The videos, the interviews he did with SIAs themselves coming up. It doesn't matter. I told you the courts are everything. It does. The wall doesn't matter. And, and, he, and, and here's why that's important. Here's my fear. Trump is so focused on money. Oh, $5 billion for the wall, $6 billion for the wall. Oh, I'll negotiate down to $3 billion. So you'll build like 100 miles here and there very slowly while the policies get worse and they continue to flood. You know, what's going to happen is, let me, let me tell you this. What happened with jailbreak is not isolated to jailbreak. If you think this can't happen with amnesty, you're not paying attention. If you look at it, how far Trump has come, and let me explain to you how it will happen. See, maybe we'll have a couple more voices because we just this has just been in the news and we've done a better job of getting out the story on amnesty as opposed to jailbreak. But the blueprint's there. You buy off Trump, Kushner does it, then you get Fox, you get the Cokes, you get all the groups to stand down. You get a bunch of people bought off and say this is the best we can do. Look at the good things in it in the bill. Look, it, it throws more money at the border. He could build a wall with it. And then it will do amnesty. And then even people like Laura Ingram and Tucker will kind of tepidly talk about it once in a while. And 90% of the time continue to talk about Mueller and impeachment. If you think this can't happen, if you think they can't gang rape us in broad daylight they like they just did, and you won't even have backlash because you don't have a movement educating our base on what's happening, think again. They're going to kick this into February. Now you'll tell me, yeah, Democrats are just not going to give them anything. Democrats aren't stupid. They know how badly Trump wants a legacy. I firmly believe as much as Pelosi says now she won't do it, she'll give, give him a few billion dollars for amnesty. And he'll take it. And the wall will be meaningless. Even if, even if it was $25 billion. Because it's the amnesty that's bringing them in here. And then they could, they could sue us without getting here now. The ACLU could bring a lawsuit on their behalf. And they have a right to come in and access the programs. And without fixing asylum, which really is fixing the courts. Because asylum doesn't say what they say it says. It doesn't matter. You understand? It's not the wall. I mean, to be fair, once you would finally complete the wall, I think it will help a little bit with the drug trafficking and some of the bad guys. But not with illegal immigration itself. They'll all come. Is the dumbest trade around, but is a trade. They, I mean, this exactly, Trump, oh, they're, they're, we, we got to stop this. Oh, uh, actually, uh, this is nice, uh, helping families, low-level criminals. We have a movement of, of stupid, stupid people. Stupid, uninformed people. 
that's that's what's going on here. And and I just apologize for the typing. Um, but you know, there's something else going da- down here. I got to get out. This is insane. Um, so much more going on. Gosh, I didn't even get to it. You know, there's a story I'm just going to link to. I don't have time to get to it. ExxonMobil asked EPA to regulate methane emissions for oil and gas. What did I tell you? All they want is the one regulation that affects them. They want tax cuts, and then they're going to be the enforcers of jailbreak, cultural Marxism, homosexual agenda, refugees, illegal immigration. And then even on the fiscal issues, they're going to support all the government subsidies and interventions and regulations because they box out competition. That's what happened with jailbreak. It's the same thing. The fix is in. When all the masters of the universe decide they're for something, they control the money, they control the media, they control everything. And I see it with colleagues. They're, even good people are too scared to stand up. It's precisely at those times when you need it because that's when it's the worst, but it's precisely then when they'll stand down. It's the same reason why all the opioid country, c- companies are going along with the anti-opioid agenda because they're getting grants to, to uh, research new pills. It's the same reason why all the private prison companies support jailbreak. This system is broken from head to toe. Like I said, I promised at some point we're going to have a networking group, a fan page, a Facebook page where we could kind of network together, meet together. I'm working internally to get that done. I, you know, Any advice or requests that you want, email me at dharwitz at blazemedia.com. I really appreciate your input because I don't know much about Facebook. I never use it. So there's that story. And then, yes, there's the bump stocks. You know, why, why do I think, why do I have a sneaking suspicion that while judges are putting injunctions on our border and our sovereignty and our security, giving aliens rights and standing in violation of 200 years of precedent, somehow they're not going to bite at gun owners of America. God bless them. They're promised to sue Trump illegally regulating bump stocks as machine guns. Congress gives the ATF the power to regulate machine guns. If you want to posit the political argument that bump stocks, which by the way, you know, are needed for people who have, I mean, I never heard of them until this year. Until, uh, you know, anyway, these things are for people that have reduced, you know, hand strength and disabilities so they can enjoy, you know, target practice as well. You might believe they have some benefits that a machine gun has, but at the end of the day, the defining characteristic, the discerning discrepancy between the operative discrepancy between a fully automatic and a semi-automatic is one trigger pull versus multiple trigger pulls. At the end of the day, bump stock just enables you to pull the trigger faster. But pull the trigger, you got to do. Pull the trigger, you got to do. Um, And it's the takings clause. They're doing it retroactively. 
How much do you want to bet? The same people are saying, now, Trump, you're not following asylum statute. Asylum's really not asylum. The same people somehow will say, and by the way, it will probably be in the D.C. district. The same judges will tell you that no, Trump is well within his rights under machine gun to regulate this. You know, I said until now, I told you, you know, everything Trump has done, whether you like it or not, has been within statute. I would never defend him doing something outside of statute, even if I like the political outcome. Well, we now found something. Gun control. And isn't it ironic that the bump stock thing comes from the biggest mass shooting we ever had in Vegas when it's clear that it had nothing to do with bump stocks? There was something much more insidious going on that we don't even have a motive. Where the, Do we want to study it? What happened there before we just bump stocks? Even if you hate bump stocks, ban and font, whatever. Anyone, right, left, or in between, looks at that case and you'll say, dude, that has a lot more to do with a lot more than bump stocks. It's like pointing to the moon and focusing on the finger instead of the moon. <clears throat> Nothing to do with that. We helped the left's narrative on guns when we could have bashed them on jailbreak. Let the gun felons out of jail and put the guns in jail. Make felons of law-abiding, peaceful people while letting gun gangbangers out of jail. We could have hung that around the necks of the Democrats. See, the American people are for law and order. But, like anything, if Democrats are able to isolate the gun issue and paint them as law and order and therefore public safety, we're going to bleed on that. We bled on that in this election for the first time on guns. But if we present it in this way, we could nail them on it. Every story of these school shootings are known wolves. I'm not talking about locking up people for not attending school and smoking marijuana one day. No one's talking about that. These are the people that everyone agrees right and left. Oh my gosh, how do we stop this? This is terrible. These people, that is the story. Target law-abiding citizens' rights and give criminals' rights, give aliens' rights, give drug traffickers' rights, ban guns while doing jailbreak, busting open our border, giving Democrats everything they want, and allowing the courts to gang rape us. Folks, I've got nothing for you. The hits keep coming. The hits keep coming. And if I had a voice, I'd do another hour on on other hits. We'll have to save that for the end of the week. God bless y'all. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. (laughs) 